as we continue in this kind of not going to get surprised by Easter this year, an approach to Easter. Last week we talked about the true identity of the Messiah, and we're going to take the next few verses in Luke. And it begins at verse 23, and this is the Word of God. And he said to all, Anyone who would come after me must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You remember that song? Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The question is, what does that look like in 2013? To follow Jesus. If any man would follow me, if any man would come after me, this is what it looks like, Jesus says. Last week, we looked at the question where Jesus asked his disciples when they were privately together, who do the people say that I am? Some say that you are John the Baptist, back from the dead. Others say that you are Elijah, or still others say that you're one of the prophets. Yes, but who do you say that I am? Who am I? And Peter answered, you are the Christ of God. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You put it all together in kind of our language. You are the anointed one sent who will rule on David's everlasting throne forever. The God who saves and reigns. You're the one. And now Jesus is moving from who am I to follow me if that's who I am. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, to put it in a sentence, Jesus teaches us it looks like dying to really live. That's what it looks like. It looks like dying in order to really live. Jesus says that if you want to come after me, you're going to have to die. Uh, not a popular thing to say in 2013. Probably a bad way to start a sermon, but not really. Because it was Jesus in verse 22, after Peter confessed that he was the Messiah, Jesus said these words, the Son of Man must suffer many things. You see, Jesus is going to suffer. Jesus is going to die. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be rise, raised. You see, it, it is about dying to live. He said this, we see in our first verse, which is 23, to all. He asked that question privately, and the reason he didn't say this about following him privately is he did not want to, us to get the impression that really following Jesus and really dying to ourselves is just for apostles, really kind of for the spiritual marines. No, he, he had the crowds back in front of him again, and, and we read in verse 23, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, he must let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I love what Cal Thomas said in one of his columns as he was commenting on kind of the zeitgeist, the, the vibe of our age of being very me-oriented. And I take care of me first and everybody else second and somehow that will lead to happiness. 
He said, uh, Cal Thomas did, quote, self-denial is for fools or Mother Teresa. Although we really admire it in other people, there is no support in our culture for making a career of that. And you know, a lot of people think of the faith once delivered in the wrong way. They, they think of it as, oh, those Christians, they're just trying to tell you what you can't do. They're just trying to get your money. They're just trying to say this. They're going to say no. Those are the no people. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus here says, if you want to come after me, you're going to have to say no. But it's not no for the sake of saying no. It is specifically, get this, no to be able to say yes to something that really means more than anything else you could have ever dreamed of. It's a no that's about a yes. It is denying me for the sake of gaining a full life in him. But there has to be a no to me. To say yes to Jesus, remember, you're the Messiah, God the Son in the flesh who reigns. Jesus is saying, if that's who I am, then follow me. And if you follow me, you're going to have to say no to you to be able to say yes to me. I remember when I played high school basketball, I was a point guard in high school, and we had a coach, uh, and he had this wonderful way of talking about defense. You know, most of us like offense and shooting the ball, but he's a very defensive-minded coach, and he, he called defense, basically. He said, it's all about denial. And the other team, like in a scrimmage, would come down. He'd say, deny them! Deny them! Meaning, stop them. And uh, somebody would come down to the floor, and they'd shoot the ball, and every once in a while, you know, somebody would block it. We'd just slap it into, like, the, the ninth row of the bleachers, and he would scream, denied! Denied. I love that. It's kind of what Jesus is saying. You see, it's not just denied just to be... De it's denied so you can get the ball and go dunk it on the other side. So you can go win the game, you see. Because there's more to life than just saying no. It's saying no to be able to say yes to God's grace and His kingdom and the joy of living in Him and for Him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, block self, so that Christ can shine through your life. So that something better, more powerful, more beautiful, more real can come in and through our lives. No to living every moment for me. Yes to living for Him. You see, no to mean, me means yes to love. Because after all, love is about self-giving. No to me means yes to giving, to ministry, it means yes to meaning, yes to joy, yes to relationships that now have space and closeness and ability to form and to become uh, precious to us. No to me means, means yes to so many things. But Jesus says, you know, if you come after me, what it looks like, yes, it's denial, but it looks like dying. You see this? If anyone come after me, let him deny himself Here's the other part. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, I've got a good news about this cross. You don't have to take up the cross of Jesus. There's only one cross that Jesus died on, and it was sufficient in its agony and its gore. It was sufficient in, in his passion in His punishment in our place to bring us into a relationship with God. And when we talk about the cross, 
it is not saying that Christians have to go through utter agony to love Jesus. No. You know, when Jesus said, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me, this is before he died on the cross. And let me give you a hint. They would have never dreamed at that moment he was going to die on the cross. In fact, he just said in, in verse 22, and if you look at the Gospels, he kept saying this over and over. We're going up. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be killed. He even said crucified in one of the Gospels. I'm going to rise on the third day. They didn't get any of this. You know why? Because they didn't have categories for the idea of Messiah, anointed, Savior, leader on David's throne forever, ruler over all, killed, suffering. You know, the Isaiah 53 picture of the suffering servant just right over their heads. Even Jesus' disciples are not thinking about his cross when he says, if you want to follow me, you deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, they understood exactly what he was saying. You see, we have to kind of put ourselves back into the place of the original audience, into that context to understand what this is about. Well, the Romans were crucifying lots of people at that time. You know, the typical thing when you got crucified, that, that top half of the cross, they stick it, they put it on your back, and you'd have to carry it to the place of crucifixion. Jesus had to carry the whole thing. He didn't get tied, he got nailed. Um, man, when you saw somebody with a, a part of a, a cross on their back, heading out of town with some Roman soldiers, it was a one-way trip. The cross meant death. That's what it means. That's what Jesus is saying. You want to follow me, you're going to have to die. So we have to ask this question. What does that look like? What does that look like? Well, it means that following Jesus isn't just a life that's kind of toward him, trying to get over ourselves. good news about following Jesus is a life that is actually vested in him where we become new people because of his cross where we gain a relationship with Him through what He has done, and God Himself wants us to lead us into a life where it's not about us. It's death to us and alive to Him. It's denial of us and, 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 and more focused on Him. Taking our cross daily. You know, people sometimes misunderstand this, and I understand why we, this is kind of a colloquialism. Oh, it's just her cross to bear. It's just His cross to bear. Uh, she's got shingles. That's just her cross to bear. No, it's not. You know, he, he broke his femur. <laughs> That's his cross to bear. No, no, no. The hard things that happen in your life is not what Jesus is talking about. Those are what the Bible calls thorns. Those are the thorns in our life. We kind of have to trust God through those too. No, this is actually on purpose that I want to live for Him. And, without, and, and I'm going to look to Him to, to be able to do this. This is actually on purpose, being willing to suffer for His kingdom. On purpose, being willing to do what He leads us to do and take on what is difficult while being empowered by Him. It is how the Son of God loves to lead us. You say, okay, I don't know what that looks like. Well, don't worry about it. What you need to do is to walk with Jesus. And you know, it, it all comes down to our hearts, doesn't it? If, if it's all about taking care of me first and everybody else, then, then we're not going to get there. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus loves to do. He loves to custom craft the things that he will lead us in 
into for his sake that will change us and change the world around us. He not only knows us, he loves us so much and he has this incredible plan for our life that he is executing, that he is actually fitting the very difficult things as well as joyful things that he wants to call us into. And in this way, the cross that you take up daily, and why is it daily? Because we are sinners and daily we need to die to ourselves. The cross that we take up daily is kind of like when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew 11, 29, and 30. So let me kind of explain. I think the yoke is easier to explain, and then I'll show you how it's like the cross that we take up. They're very similar metaphors. One scholar talks about the fact that we don't know much about yokes anymore. Uh, we don't, unless you, you know, maybe you're from the Delta or something, go down to the Ag Museum, you can see a yoke. You, you know what a yoke is, right? A yoke is a, is a crafted wooden kind of harness, if you will, that you put animals into. And the purpose of a yoke isn't to make the animals work harder. Because we think of a yoke and an ox just straining to pull a plow or do something. No, no. The purpose of a yoke is to be able to harness that animal and conserve the energy so that when that animal pulls, there is maximum effectiveness that comes from that animal or a team of animals. In other words, a yoke is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And so um, the better a yoke fit, the more easy it was for the ox to plow. The, 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 the more, the less burdensome. If you really want to wear an animal out, put a yoke that doesn't fit the animal and there's just going to be all this wiggle room, there's going to be all this brute force and, and not leverage that the yoke is supposed to help provide. William Barclay uh, remarks that in the first century that there were carpenters. I can remember a carpenter from Galilee, in fact, Jesus. There were carpenters who had hung signs out on their shop door that read, My yokes fit well. Carpenters, he said, were highly skilled at making a yoke that would fit the ox just right. And when Jesus said, my yoke is easy, it could be translated, my yoke fits well. Okay? So, Jesus knows exactly what yoke he wants to put on you for you to be able to, to serve him, and it will fit well. It will not be easy like this is a cinch kind of easy. What it means is it will ride easy. And it'll be much less burdensome. In fact, I think a lot of the times in the Christian life when we get in trouble is we allow people other than Jesus to put yokes on us. And they don't fit us. And so we're there just plowing and we're struggling to do things that, that, that Christ isn't really calling us to do. But my yokes ride easy. It does not mean, as some people think, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you just, if you just knew and trusted Jesus, everything would be easy. Wouldn't that be great if that were true? The Christian life is not easy. Living in a fallen world is not easy. It is sacrificial. What he's saying is, is I'm going to be there. My power will be with you, and it will ride easy. And the burden will never be overburdensome. And I will work through you. 
When I lived in Colorado, one of the things I really enjoyed over those seven and a half years was, was skiing, downhill skiing. So I made a decision early on. It was a good decision. And by the way, someone that knew more about it than me told me that this was the, like the key to skiing. So Joseph, it's not about the skis. It's about the boots. It's about the boots? Yeah, it's about the boots. You must get a pair of boots that fit. If any of you have ever been skiing in a pair of boots that don't fit, it is miserable. You are just, it, your, your shins just hurt. I mean, you're just bound up and your foot's moving and, and, and there's all this brute strength is required all the time. You just get worn out. In fact, somebody was telling me after the early service that he had a, some boots and uh, it was just for his foot and his son barred his boots without telling him and, and went, he went skiing and he was just exhausted. He went, somebody barred my boots. And you'll see why that matters in a moment. Well, I said, okay, I'm going to get a pair of boots that fit. So I went and I got fitted for a pair of boots. And uh, the guy said, no, 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 it's not just about the boots. I mean, you know, people from Northwest, Goobers from Northwest Florida don't know these things. It's not just about, you need to get a sole insert that will keep your feet from moving. So they actually put a piece of like cork around my foot and they heated it from the bottom, which is kind of scary. And it melted and it, and it literally formed around my heel. That form thing made specifically for my foot went down in the boot. Now skiing, my, my heels move and it's just like torque. There's not all this struggle. There's not all this binding. It's not like a yoke that doesn't fit and you're just exhausted. I mean, look, man, that, that yoke, that boot fits. You just turn and you turn. I mean, the whole world changed when I got a yoke that actually fit. And some boots that made skiing so much easier. It rode easy. It wasn't a burden. But it was, I was still tired at the end of the day. Kind of like the Christian life. You know, it rides easy with Jesus. He, he custom fits the yoke. It's not a burden, though it is still very much exhausting to live for Christ in a fallen world. Very similar in this passage with the cross. This is not Jesus' cross. Take up your cross daily, Jesus says. Let me tell you something about this cross. Jesus, just like he custom fits a yoke to go on you that will pull well and will serve him, he custom fits a cross for you to carry. It's what he, what he is calling you to do. And, and I want you to know something. If you will give your life to him, and there are people here today that, uh, that know and love Jesus, but they're really afraid to just hand over their life to the Messiah, the Son of God, who reigns on David's throne forever. They're really afraid you are, we are, to hand our lives over to Jesus and what that might mean uh, to where he might call us or what he might want us to do in our lives. But if you will give your life to him, he, he will custom fit your life to ministry that matters. He will custom fit what that cross that you will deny yourself and carry looks like. And he will direct you in, in his service and in, in sacrifice to him. He'll tell you, show you what that looks like and the Spirit of God will empower you to do that. And when that happens, when it's about him instead of me, when I'm willing to be custom fitted for a cross, an assignment that he wants to give me, Jesus says, next in our passage, something really amazing happens. When we give up our lives, we find them. 
when we hold on to them and try to make it about us and then everybody else, when we try to spin all the plates, make all the, the pieces click together in this master puzzle that we that surround us, we are sucking the life out of our own soul and sucking the life out of the people around us. Jesus says, look, turn to me. Say no to this petty way of life. Say no. If, if, if everything that's in front of you is just right in front of you, then that's how far your world actually ranges. Let it be what God wants it to be. Open up. Say no to say yes to love, giving, serving. Something amazing happens. Remember, it's, it's about dying in order to really live. We read this in verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. In other places, Jesus says, will find his life. He's saying if we, we try to make our own lives, which is exactly what our default position is, mine included. We try to make our own lives, make our own significance, build our own life. We're going to lose the meaning of it. We're going to lose a lot of time that could have built something beautiful. We're going to lose it. Look at verse 25. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Remember, soul is the totality of who we are. To lose the whole thing. I mean, do you really want to be on your deathbed and think what, and ask what it's really about? And it was really about something or some place or ten of these or a hundred of those? And not love? Not giving? Do you really want your life and to be so crowded and just compacted around you that there's no space for people to come in close and put their arms around you and for you to embrace them? Do you really want your life to be so protected from God that you just were stunted? And never really matured, never really opened wings to be able to fly. I mean, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Our lives become so full when we live for Him, when we deny ourselves, carry our crosses. Because when you carry the cross that God has made for you, I'm going to tell you something really amazing happens. You find yourself on your knees, because it's more than you can handle. But it's just what you can handle with Him. You see, He really is going to give us the strength and the power and the, and the insight and the drive to, to, to move the faith, to move through that thing. And so we find ourselves on our knees asking for God's strength. And if you've ever found yourself on your knees saying, God, I know this is what you want me to do, but I can't do it. That's a great place to be. And God will meet you there. It is there that we will find His power. It is there that we will meet up with His love when we, when we just say, God, I, I, I want you. And we'll not only meet with His love, but it will be released into the lives of other people as well. I was away for most of this week. And on Wednesday, God spoke to me. Now, I'm a Presbyterian, and I did not say He spoke to me audibly. <laughs> And I do not know what his, whether his voice is low or high. I don't know. Because God did not speak to me audibly. But God communicated with me on Wednesday morning 
about something very specific that I want to tell you about now. And it has to do with this text. I was um, listening to a, a lecture by Eugene Peterson, who wrote The Message, has written many books that we and our staff appreciate greatly. And this was about the power of story, about imagination, and, and, and I really loved it. Yes, that's what pastors do on vacation. They listen to lectures, just what you want to do. Um, but when, you, when I finished with that, you know how sometimes you, you'll finish one thing and then it'll say, well, you could listen to this, this, or this. And there's this guy from Australia. I have to actually go back and find his name. Then he write down his name. And it was the five questions leaders need to answer. Now, I pretend to be one of those. And so I wanted to say, I wanted to take, it's like three minutes, very short. I said, I, I will answer, I will hear the five questions that leaders need to be asked. So this guy from Australia starts in, you know, the first question, it was kind of like leaders, Christian leaders need to love Jesus or something like that. I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. Not like I do it all the time, but I get that as a leadership principle. No surprise there. Second one is that, you know, there needs to be a, a really compelling prioritization of the kingdom in your life and everything kind of backfills around that. And that's how you lay, check, got that. No surprises so far. Third question totally took me off guard. And because I was kind of quiet and, and, and kind of had some time to sit and think, it, it really was able, and without a lot of white noise, it really came in hard and hit hard. Y'all ready for the third question? The third question is this. Are... The fights in your life for the kingdom of God mainly behind you or ahead of you? Are the great fights, the great battles for the kingdom of God behind you or ahead of you? And he said, now I'm not talking about fighting with people when they're ugly or something like that. He said, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being willing to sacrifice, put it out there, lead, persevere, fight for what God is calling you to do. And if those are mainly behind you, then wake up. I was jolted. That Australian just hit me right there. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because right there it was. And it was, I was just exposed before God right there. Because in the last several weeks, I've been way out of my comfort zone in a thing called a capital campaign. And for those of you who have talked to me personally, I've told you this. That's not, I mean, I, I, it's, it's something God's calling me to lead. I can't wait for God to do it. Do I have to lead this, God? <laughs> yes, you do. And I'm going to tell you what God did in my life during this capital campaign. God put me on my knees during this capital campaign. And I said, God, I can't do this. You're going to have to do it. And God gave me a passion. My sap kind of rose up. The Lord gave me, and, and, I, and I began to uh, inhabit that leadership. And, and if you've been here, maybe you saw that. It got better <laughs> as we went and, and actually got to a place of, of joy about it and, and great faith and anticipation. And several of you, have emailed me, called me, texted me, and told me what that capital campaign meant to you spiritually. Pretty much what you've said, if I could put it in a sentence, is how it revealed your heart and your need for God. That is great. But now, I'm sitting there on vacation, 
And I'm just, can I just be honest with you? I'm privately thinking, okay, all right, Lord, we're bringing on through that. Now, Lord, it's time for me to take it easy for a little bit. And God is saying to me, no, it is not. If you're going to be a leader, then lead. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. The next challenge that we have, y'all want to know what it is? It's paying for this building. That's what it is. It is creating ministry that we come up with with a new opportunity and filling that place with us and with gifts and ministry and worship and glory and more pouring out and more ministry to the community. It is like a second stage rocket that is about to happen. And you know what? There's a lot that is going to happen. And it will require perseverance. And it will require faith. And it will require prayer. God was just renewing me. I started getting excited about this. Joseph, take up this cross. It's Joseph wheat specially made. It fits you. And it's worth the sacrifice. And my kingdom is worth the inconvenience. And it's worth the money. The kingdom of God is worth it. And God is up to it. And suddenly, I'm going to tell you, it was a shift. I, I grabbed Gina and said, Gina, you, just, you need to know what happened to me. Suddenly, I went from, I went to, I get to lead it. I get to lead it. I get to deny myself. I get to keep my eyes on Jesus in the midst of perseverance and to lead you there as well. I get to lead the session with all my humanity in the midst of it. I get to lead. And we get to not only persevere, we get to triumph in His name and in a real place in real time, real gospel ministry will come in power beyond what we have seen because we are willing to sacrifice, willing to step out, willing to go to the next place. And you know, from feeling like I wanted to protect my life, I suddenly found my life again. And it was joyful. Y'all better watch out. I'm pumped. I'm soaked. What about you? Let's don't think of this in terms of pastors and their challenges and, and their specially made crosses. I mean, what about you taking care of your aged parents? What does that God-shaped cross look like for you? See, what does it look like if you've got children that are, are, are kind of running off on the faith or, 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 or something that's going on and you just get tired of it and you, you just feel down. Do you just give up? Do you, do you just run away from everything that's hard? Do you just run away from something because it's a challenge? No. And we have a tendency. And, and it could be your work. I don't know what it is for you, but there is a Christ-specifically fashioned cross that you need to strap on. And answer the bell 
And by His power and through faith in Him, you need to walk through that. I had people after the first service, one guy just said, Joseph, I cannot believe how that sermon translated to my life. And he went into detail about how he was just, didn't want to deal with this, didn't want to deal with that. And he said, Joseph, it's mine. He was excited about it. So what is it in your life? Are all your best battles for the kingdom of God even behind you? Shall I be carried on the, to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? No! Highlands Presbyterian Church, we will not seek flowery beds of ease. We will not seek to do things Jesus doesn't want us to do, but we will seek to serve Him sacrificially in faith and in dependency upon Him. And when that happens, the strangest thing will happen. We will begin to find our lives. And love and giving and relationship. As we approach Easter, we must not only recognize Him as the Messiah, the Son of God who reigns forever. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. I close with the last verse of I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. My cross before me. The world behind me, my cross before me. The world behind me, my cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Lord, you're the one who has to work in our lives to overcome us. We feel like sometimes if we can run away from hard things, from relationships, from difficult assignments, from things that are more chronic in nature, that we will be happier. We can take care of ourselves. And everything else will fall into place. But Lord, we only have ourselves become rotted out from the core. Would you help us to repent of protecting our lives so fiercely, of seeking for us so determinedly? Lord, only you can raise our eyes to a life that's truly life. Only you can help us to grasp what is counterintuitive to us, that to gain our lives, we have to lose our lives and we find them in you. Would you direct, just as you did in the first service, would you direct people even now to be able to deny themselves in specific things in their life even and take up a Christ-fitted cross and follow you. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the Son of God, the Messiah. Help us to want to follow you and to follow you. And thank you for the benefit that happens all around us in this world when the gospel comes through. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.